the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Always trying to educate you a little bit on financial issues, or maybe kind of share our education with each other. Maybe that's the better way of saying it. You taught me probably as much as I've taught you, whether you know it or not. One of the areas that I want to talk about, and this is going to sound a little bit freaky, is the old financial seminar and the free steak dinner. I see so many people make a mistake with this. One of my neighbors is working with a financial advisor uh, who does a crab fest every year. I'm like, why are your returns are awful and you're in annuities? This person's making a killing off you. You're, and you're hurting your retirement. And like, but we, the, he give, we have a crab fest every year. I'm like, whoa, who knew? <laughs> I knew a friend in college had a crab fest, but that was more herpes oriented. Dun, dun. Um, I'll shut up. Back to me. Back to the steak dinner. Uh, I live near a place in California. Walnut Creek has a ton of financial firms that do a ton of uh, postcard mailers. Like, hey, do you want to come have a free $40 steak on me? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Sounds great, right? It's a popular prospecting strategy. Because you can drop postcards into the richest neighborhoods. Would you rather drop postcards into Palo Alto and say, how about a free steak dinner? Or would you rather drop postcards into Tijuana? Assuming Tijuana's got poverty, I don't know. But you get the idea. So it's a good prospecting strategy. It's worked really, really well for years and years and years. And what they do is they do a little bit of a seminar. And it could be something like how to have a free steak dinner and retire comfortably in five years. And they kind of already know that if you own a house in that area, that you probably have some money. So an invitation to the seminar is out. It's in your geographic part of town. The invite is to learn more about a certain topic, some sort of aspect of retirement, tax reduction strategies, retirement income, social security planning, asset protection. Don't you want retirement income? Then come to the free seminar and get a good meal out of it. It's a lot like the timeshare pitches. Once you arrive at the seminar for the night, the talk usually follows a certain path. There's a problem facing you as you get close to retirement. You're going to pay more in taxes. You're going to pay more. You're going to no longer have a paycheck. How can you recreate that paycheck? So there's some drama. The presenter has a script that basically sells the drama. It sells the challenges. It's scary. It's not like... Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger scary, but it's still pretty scary. It should be obvious, but the solution is usually something that they're selling, right? 
and you're like, oh, sweet, I will have income in retirement. Oh, sweet, I will have Social Security and less market volatility. But there's going to be some issues. And market volatility is something that scares old people. Taxes are something that scares old people. When I first got in the industry, my mentor told me, old people don't like to pay taxes. I like to pay taxes because it means I made money. I'm like, whoa. So to invest at a steak dinner or not, it's important to know that these companies, these presenters work for somebody. As a financial advisor, there's tons of investment companies that knock on the door, send me emails, reach out through phone calls to try to discuss their investment ideas. My corporate email account is ridiculous with sales pitches. Hey, do you mind if I follow up with that email that I sent you last week? And I usually send something like a dirty word. <laughs> That's terrible. I know, Charles, but you taught me how to curse. So I found that a person, if the person represents a bond investment offering, they usually talk about how overpriced the stock market is and how it makes sense to increase safe investments. And yet the stock market's hitting an all-time high seven out of 10 years. If the person represents a stock investment offering, then it seems that the market is just you know going and stocks are the place to be. So you have what's called a hammer salesperson. Everything starts to look like a nail to them. Now, I'm not going to say everyone who does these presentations are awful, but when it sounds too good to be true, you got to look at what they're selling and you got to look at them. I've been shocked by how many times I've looked up a financial advisor and found out they've been criminally charged or sued or gone to arbitration. And you can't always blame them. Sometimes clients are naive and they hear what they want to hear, but it wasn't that long ago that I pulled up a very famous financial advisor, um, very famous, and he runs a lot of commercials. And the amount of times his firm has been in arbitration because clients have lost 50% was ridiculous. So you can go to the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website or FINRA's broker check and do some research on them. It'll tell you if they sell product that has high margins and commissions like annuities. It'll tell you if they've been sued. There was one guy that I used to work with who's out of the industry. And um, he was a jerk. I mean, the moment you met him, he knew that he was a jerk. You probably don't think I'm a very nice guy. He had this way of insulting people on his radio show. Like, you're dumber than me. Look at me. I'm Damon. I'm, I'm the king of the kings. <laughs> like king of the kings and uh he's out of the industry but his sec disclosures there was a night in new york where like a homeless person was like if you ever go to new york you tend to go through a bridge or a tunnel to get there new york city new york city and as you're going through the bridge or the tunnel I think I need to hire someone to do more sound effects for us because I know every sound effect that's coming at this point in time yep Yep. And um, so he's driving his car through a tunnel and typically there's always be a slowdown. There's a stoplight just inside. And a lot of homeless people stand there with like a uh, wiper fluid and, and, you know, squeegee. And you have to turn on your wipers to tell them no. Otherwise they start doing it and they dude, give me some money. I just cleaned your wipers, dude. And there's like this heavy sales pitch there. This guy had actually hit one with a baseball bat. I can't imagine that. But it happens. 
And then he's been, if you look at his criminal record since he's left the industry, it's picked up. So you can find out about your investment advisor by going to SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website and by FINRA's broker check. Now, again, it doesn't always mean that they're a bad person. And sometimes you should ask them, are you a bad person? Um, I once knew a priest. I know this is a priest and a, a dog walking to a bar. I once knew a priest who, who did some investing. And he actually bought, he actually started working with an uh, advisor at an all-time high. And then the next nine months, there was a 40% correction, and he sued. Um, he got some of his money, didn't get all of it. The arbitration, you know, basically said, "Well, you're at risk too because you came in at an all-time high." Uh, but the firm made some mistakes along the way. So, in order to get these expensive presentations to work from a profitable business standpoint, the steak dinners can often be sales tools to sell high commission products. A lot of the presenters push these products to manage, to maximize their return on investment, and how much of it goes to them, and most of it's not good for the client. So be cautious. A free steak dinner could be the most expensive meal of your life. I wouldn't do it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Um, leasing a car. Let's talk about that. A lot of people want to lease a car. They kind of like that new car feeling. First and foremost, I have no problem if your company does a lease for you. But it gets to become a little bit more entangled. The first new car that I bought was a Toyota truck because they last for 250,000 miles and they're cheap to repair because Toyota does a nice job of keeping similar parts. The last car I would ever buy is a BMW because they're expensive and they're expensive to repair and they don't last for 250,000 miles. I think there's nothing worse than seeing someone trying to look rich in a old BMW, if you know what I'm saying. So, Paradigm shift in automobiles is going on right now. I don't want to make it too dramatic, but at Lyft and Uber and more public transit than ever, people are parking their car more. So owning a car may not be what it used to be. Now, if I were to lease, there's so much that goes on. And like I said, in the last 100 years, the car industry has changed a lot. Um, I know people that live in the city, San Francisco. The city's so snobby, they don't even call it San Francisco. They just say the city. That's pretty snobby. Oh, I don't live in Oakland. I live in the city. Right now, cars are parked 95% of the time doing nothing. It's an underused asset, and yet it's a big cost. So if you live in the city, why leave it parked? It's going to get dinged. It's going to get knocked up. Use a zip car. Rent a car when you need to. Use public transit. All advice I would never do myself. I fear public transit. I fear the people on it. I fear being recognized. I don't like being recognized. Um, but it happens. I know you're saying, are you being serious right now? I'm kind of a big deal. I would. Uh, my best story is being in New York and, uh, on the subway. This, this, this ruined me for life on subways. 
And there's a guy who's wearing headphones, like big old Sony, big old chunky headphones, and he's listening to music. And a homeless guy just recently defecated on a seat. No. And the guy's not paying attention. And everyone <laughs> on the train is like, no, no, don't sit there. No. And he can't hear us. He's jabbing out. I will end. Oh, the Okay. I'm not. Ah. I need to be sensitive. Homeless people have hearts too. And just because this pungent smell makes me want to vomit, I got to understand it's part of the process. So I just don't do public transportation. Um, Caltrain. Yes. Bart. No. Anyhow, I'm now you're asking, um, lease in a car, cars are parked 95% of the time. Um, my family, when we started having children got an SUV for carrying the kids around and we were like, should we get a third row? We don't need it for our family, but maybe we could take other kids to soccer practice and things like that. We got the third row. Do you know how many times we use the third row? Maybe three. Bad idea. We got the entertainment system. So you can watch DVDs in the back. On long car trips. Uh, then the iPad started dominating and people just watched their iPads. That was like a $12,000 entertainment package. And I know the more you think about it, it's like, that's crazy. So it, cars have changed a lot and car prices will not car prices, but the value of your car will continue to plummet through the years. So would I lease or would I buy a used car? Depends on how many miles you drive. It really comes down to that. Um, and for instance, a friend that I just had to drive uh, 600 miles one way and 600 miles back. That's that's a lot of miles on a car. And it's, if it's a lease, holy mackerel, you just did 10% of your, your miles in one day or two days. There's 250 million you, unneeded cars right now in America. There's a lot of cars that need to be recycled, which is a, a new industry. I'm not against you doing a lease. Just typically it doesn't work out. I've seen, and you tend to drive more than you think you do. And with the alternatives out there now with Uber Lyft and zip cars and public transportation and scooters and things like that, I don't know if you need it anymore as much as you did at one point in the time in the past. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I talked to CFP Chad Burton recently about life insurance and term life versus variable life versus whole life. A lot of people wouldn't buy a house or car without comparison shopping, and yet a lot of people buy life insurance without comparison shopping. The number and types of products available can be confusing. If you look only at price, whether buying temporary term life, which is the one I have, my bumper sticker says, buy term and invest the rest. I would never buy permanent insurance. I don't need insurance when I'm 92 years old. When I'm 92 years old, my kids will be grown and their kids will be grown. And if I did everything right from 20 to 60, my nest egg will continue to grow from 60 to 92. I have a family member who I want to say he died at... 93, his wife was a little bit younger. She died a couple years later in 92. They didn't need life insurance. They had a farm. They had an oil well. They had cash. They had real estate. So you need life insurance typically when you're younger before you accumulate those things. A lot of people don't buy enough coverage. 
they think you know $100,000 policy is going to go a long way when they die. On term life, it doesn't. So anyhow, um, a lot of people look at life insurance as, well, I did that when I was 20, so I don't need to do it again. Or I did it when I was 30, I don't need to do it again. It's not a one-time activity. You need to look back at it. Before you get life insurance, strongly, strongly consider getting healthy. No alcohol for six, uh, two months. Let your liver get healthy. Let your body get healthy. Um, because if they do that health policy, health check on you, and you fail, you're you're not going to get that policy, and it's, or it'll be super expensive. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com or robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Your comments and questions. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. This sounds a lot like John Cougar Mellencamp. What's interesting to note about John Cougar Mellencamp is at one point in time, he was known as Johnny Cougar, Johnny Cougar and the Cats. Then it was John Cougar and this John Cougar Mellencamp. Then it was John Mellencamp. Whoa. Let's, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton, who's always been known as CFP Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? I'm doing well. I only remember John Cougar Mellencamp. I got to go with the three names. Oh, there's uh, some really good ones, Johnny Cougar and the Cats. Uh, his albums were pretty rocking the country, eh, but I'm, I digress. Um, CFP, Chad Burton, you and I have worked together for many, many, many years. Our relationship's deep. It's nice to know. I considered you a friend and much, much more. Let's talk life insurance basics. Am I going to die? Yes. What are your views on life insurance as a fee-only fiduciary? Because it's sold in, in many forms and formats. Yeah, and you know we go through these roles, especially when you get a stock market correction. You get these just a blast of all of these seminars by these people that um, try to go in and say, "See, you lose all this money in the stock market, so forget about your four hundred one k, and you should invest in this indexed life insurance cash value product because you can get a portion of the upside of the market." And no downside risk, and, and you can pull money out tax-free. And it sounds like this great sales pitch when people are fearful of the market. And people, unfortunately, go for that all the time. And it's like, you know, just when people sell products based on fear or greed, that you know they're doing something wrong. So as a fee-only fiduciary, or if you ask any certified financial planner that really gives people unbiased advice, that 99% of the population should buy term and invest the difference. Right, yep. that's my bumper that's, sticker. That's, yeah, exactly. But I do want people to remember about disability insurance because Rob, I've known very few people in 25 years that have passed away well before their life expectancy. But I've known several people that have had some disability issues, whether it's short term um, from like a motorcycle wreck or you know a longer term issue. Um, I knew somebody in their 40s that had a stroke. And it took them almost a year to recover before they could actually work again. So don't forget about the disability side. That's extremely important, especially if you're shopping jobs and and looking at benefits. But um, when it comes to benefits, it's typically better to get your term life insurance policy on your own. So that way, if you change jobs, you can take it with you versus buying it through your employer. Uh, If there's somebody that's depending on you for your income, a spouse, the kids, then you typically need 10 times your income plus about 100 grand per kid for college and then maybe add on any debt that you might have, like if you have a half a million dollar mortgage. 
And you can't really go too wrong if you kind of stick with that formula. And the idea is that as long as you're saving 15% of pay or so between your, your amount and your employer's amount at work, by the time that 20- or 30-year level term policy is over, you'll have enough assets where you don't need the life insurance anymore. So that buy term, invest the difference works as long as you are truly investing the difference in your 401k. Quick question, follow up on that. I believe, and you can correct me, I believe disability and term life don't have a lot of margins. It's all math. And thus, the agent who sells them doesn't make a ton of money. Whereas the whole life and the variable life, there's some wiggle room and they make more money. I kind of like the idea of it's it's a tough product to oversell term life and disability. Am I on? Am I kind of correct? You're dead on. You can't oversell disability insurance because it's based on your current income and how much they're willing to reinsure. Um, and then on the term insurance, you're right. I mean, it's I think it's probably 30 40% of the cost now for term life insurance for a 20-year policy than when I got into the business 25 years ago. People are living longer. Um, most people don't keep their policies for more than a couple of years, so they price it accordingly. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty easy. And and then you know, there's there's very there's still a few cases though, Rob, where people need to look at permanent cash value and in insurance. But it's kind of some rare cases. One last question about term life: Would you invest with Big Lou? I don't know. Big Lou seems to have a lot of problems. I think it's like four divorces. He's high <laughs> blood pressure. He's like you. I just want to. I just want to. I love the way that they've done that marketing because you just want to picture Big Lou in your head, right? Like, what is this guy like? <laughs> He's just yeah, no kidding. Four hundred pounds sitting on a headset selling term insurance to people online. So let's move forward. Uh, I squeezed in Big Lou, and I, I'm not getting any kickback for that. If life insurance with a cash value is only good in rare cases. What are those cases? I'd like to have a, a cheat sheet. Yeah, yeah, sure. So for estate planning cases, um, okay. there is certain situations where you ha- might have somebody with a very high net worth where if they die, there's going to be estate taxes that are due. And there might not be liquidity in that estate. It might be a large farm. It might be a bunch of real estate. The taxes are due upon death, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, so if you set up an irrevocable life insurance trust and fund that so that the heirs get the insurance completely tax-free and it's a leveraged effect where they know they wouldn't have to fire sale real estate homes or businesses, then it creates that liquidity. It does its job. But there's you've got to get really specific design policies. There's, I don't think the average agent um, you know, does a good job at this. You can figure out ways to design policies where it builds up very little cash value. It's almost like a term permanent mix, and it's really geared for the death benefit. Some other cases might be business continuity. Um, if you want to make sure that there's insurance there forever for a business partner that you need to buy out if they pass away so that you're not in, in business with their spouse, and you plan on being in business for over 20 years, maybe it's, you know, you've got to get, do something besides term insurance. You've got to get a permanent policy. Uh, a couple other ones are, let's say you're retiring from Lockheed Martin with a pension and you want to take a higher payout so that you have higher monthly income. But if you pass away, you want your kids or spouse to have a tax-free lump sum instead of a reduced payout. Okay. So sometimes that pension planning can work. But again, it's not a cash value heavy life insurance. There is some cash value, but it's meant to last more than 20 or 30 years. It's got to be specially designed. And then, you know, the the the, the one that's... that can work. Let's say you're really high cash flow, you're high income earner, right? 
Yep. You're in the top 1% of the population in terms of income. You've exhausted all your savings vehicles, your 401k, your Roth, your defined benefit plans. Maybe you already own real estate and plenty of stocks, and you're really looking for some sort of a bond alternative, something that'll kind of be in between stocks and bonds. There are certain types of index life insurance that might work for that person. But again, that's maybe you know, 10, 11 of those in the last 25 years that it really worked correctly for. And again, you got to work with agents that don't have the normal policies. They have access to better deals with the same insurance companies because they do exist out there. All good stuff. Let's move on. And people can find out more about you and me at newfocusfinancial.com. There's a lot of good downloadables. I want to build that library so people continue to go there. Newfocusfinancial.com. There's a nice blog. We're talking life insurance with CFP Chad Burton. Explain that how that 1% of the population can use it as a bond alternative, because that's new to me. Yeah, so, the, okay, let's say you're you know, 45, 50 years old, and your, your cash flow is really high. You're like at the top of your earnings. Sounds like me. And Yeah, and let's say you're kind of conservative, too. Like you're, okay, you have okay. plenty of stocks, and the, the fluctuations of the stock market kind of scare you a little bit. But then you're also looking at California tax-free bond funds right now, yielding around, you know, Two percent. If you're like, where's that going to get me? If interest rates go up, my bond funds could fall in value. And you're trying to sock money somewhere in a tax-efficient manner. If you design uh, an index life insurance policy the right way, and this again, stocks are going to beat it, real estate's going to beat it. It's not the best use, so it's very for a very conservative person. And the cash value inside of those things, you can participate in the upside of the market without any downside risk. But if you go to a normal agent off the street and try to get one. It's going to be riddled with high commissions. The cap rates that determine how much return you get to keep are going to be low. Um, they're not. I, I very rarely see somebody that purchased one from a normal agent off the street, and I say, "Oh yeah, that's a good deal." Usually, we're having to repair those things. So inside the insurance, it's invested in an index account, and that account might say you get 100% of return of the S&P up to 7%. So if the S&P does 20, you only get 7. There's no dividends at all. But if the S&P does negative 10 or negative 13 for the year, you just get zero that year. So it's a way to participate in some of the upside without a downside. And so it's meant to kind of probably outperform bonds in the long run, but there are internal fees and everything else that you got to worry about because the insurance. But because it's life insurance, Rob, eventually you'll be able to pull that cash value out tax-free. Okay. later on when you need it to retirement. So it can go up against a bond fund and win, but it will never go up against the stock market or the real estate market and win. So it's kind of against that conservative person. They don't want more real estate or more stocks, and they're looking for something else besides bonds. And that's it. So that's why I say 1% maybe of the population. Okay. And that's not Minia. And uh, you almost talked me out of it there because I'm like, I'd rather own some bonds and California munis or something, but we're not going into me. Uh, we only have about a minute left. What if people have put a ton of money into cash value life insurance and they don't need it? That happens. What should they do? Yeah. If they really want the uh, cash out of it as income, they need to run enforce illustrations. They you know, call the company, ask for an enforce illustration at conservative rates. But the, the idea I like better is if you look at it as your source to pay for long-term care in the future. Because if you're still healthy, you can take that life insurance policy and all that cash value. You can do a tax-free 1035 exchange into one of the newer life insurance policies that have cash value. Okay. You can typically get more death benefit and then have that death benefit available to you while you're alive to pay for long-term care, nursing homes, assisted living. 
So you can leverage that cash, get more life insurance for your heirs, but use it while you're alive if that circumstance comes in and you need long-term care because nothing else covers that unless you insure it on your own or, or you know, pay for it out of pocket. Next time we talk, we'll talk about uh, other ways to use life insurance. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. He has to scoot and get to work right now, but you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com and listen to his show Monday through Friday in the morning, 6 o'clock on this very station. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So this is one of my heavily played songs on iPods or Apple Music or whatever it is. Sweet. Lead singer is Rivers Cuomo. The song is uh, Can't Knock the Hustle. And what I, I dig about it is it's it's about a YouTube driver. Not YouTube driver. It's about uh, uh, Lyft and Uber drivers. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's based off a 1996 Jay-Z song. Weezer kind of reinvented it in 2018. I would imagine the Jay-Z version was probably more about being a pimp or something. But Rivers Cuomo is pretty interesting, too. He's an American musician, singer-songwriter, lead singer of Weezer. Um, He's had some different looks in his look. He was raised in an ashram in Connecticut. And he moved to L.A. at 18. So, like, he had a weird childhood. Um, I knew that he went to, like, a great college late. No, I knew that he went to a great college. I didn't know that he went after his first album was a rockin' success. He's like, I'm going to go to Harvard. (laughs) Like, he could have been a rocker, but he's like, time for me to go to Harvard. I like the challenge is what I'm getting at, and I like that people actually do that. He also suffered, um, he had to have his leg extended at an early age. One of my good friends had his son do that thing, and it's incredibly painful. So to say the least, uh, I've I've always found him kind of interesting. And yes, you could probably guess, um, uh, I'm kind of a weirdo. He's a big soccer fan. I'm a big soccer fan. So he's a vegetarian. I'm not, but maybe I'll get there one day. And yes, I live my life like I want to be a rock star. Hey, one area that I want to be very cautious on is lending money to a family member. This is none of my business, but let's talk about it. Like most people, you do just about anything for your loved ones, right? Your family, your blood. I've got four older brothers and one younger sister, and I don't even talk to three of them. My brother Mike lives in Japan. Bit of a weirdo. Super smart guy. But he doesn't really fit in in the United States, so it kind of made sense that he's ended up in Japan. Uh, My brother Peter went through a pretty couple of divorces, and he lives in Louisiana, and I don't really talk to him much. He's older. My parents had a lot of kids through a lot of years. I would never think about lending them money. I don't know them anymore. Now, if you do lend family members money, my advice is get it in writing. Um, It's tough. I want almost everything in my life documented and put in writing. I don't think that's fair, though, right? Because it kind of turns a romantic situation. Hey, brother, can you lend me a dime? To, I'll keep lending you a dime, but you're going to pay me back 12 cents, and we're going to put that in contract. I get that dime back in a month, and I uh, get the other two pennies a month after that. 20% return, not bad, right? If you can't put it in writing, 
both parties aren't really serious. It's really not a loan. It's like, well, I may screw you over and never pay you back. In the agreement, state the amount of money that's being lent. State this in numbers and letters to avoid claims of miscommunication. Don't just write 5000 Write $5,000 and no cents. Um, write the date the money's being lent. Write the date that you expect it to be paid back and how you expect it to be paid back. If it's your kids in college, I don't know. Is it proper to lend money knowing that you want it back to a kid in college? I think we're all different. I can't see myself you know, charging my kids interest rates and such, but... I could see a, a little bit of a life lesson saying, you know, hey, if you want to go to Europe, I'll, I'll pay, but you're going to pay me, you know, $3,000, $100 each month for 30 months. You know, then you've got some skin in the game, per se, or you pay for half, I'll pay for the other half. So, but one area that I would never, ever, never, ever lend family member money is to buy a house. Um, the IRS could have a problem with it. It's a bigger chunk of change, so to speak. A lot of parents just give their kids $200,000, and it has to be turned into a gift because otherwise it needs to be a loan, and you're only allowed to gift so much in your lifetime and only so much at certain ages. There's there's some stickiness to it. But someone like a Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com is going to say, where did you get this $200,000 from? The system wants to know because they want to know that you're not you know scamming. They want to know that you're not money laundering. Boy, 9-11, in the, it really created quite a mess in the financial industry. A mess that was kind of needed, but it really created quite a mess. Uh, the amount of paperwork in financial transactions is ridiculous due to the Patriot Act. But it's kind of necessary. I, I'm not against it. I'm not going to fight it. So try to get You can't do a contract. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I would even consider maybe writing a little thing on penalties. Like, if you don't pay me back, <laughs> you're not invited to Thanksgiving. I've seen more families fight about money. Oh, boy. I've seen a current family right now that's uh, they have different opinions on how mom and dad want to be cared for. And what's interesting is the boys on one side, the, the families, on, the, the, it's three boys, uh, two are married. Spouses have the have opinions that maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. But they can't talk to mom and dad because mom and dad aren't really they, – they should have talked about how they wanted to be cared for. They didn't. So then it comes down to the kids making decisions for them. And you got to wonder if, like, the will comes into play. CFP Chad worked at NewFocusFinancial.com tells a story all the time about how uh, there was a relative in a hospital bed – and like an aunt came in and said, she told me I could have her diamond ring. It wasn't in a will. It wasn't in a trust. She just took it off her, her almost dead fingers. Everyone hates her for doing it. It's an interesting thing. I know you don't want to write down ideas about dying, but Big Lou sells term life insurance in large part because you are going to die. Consider writing down a will or a trust, maybe a medical directive, a power of attorney. Do it sooner than later if you're 50. It's like that prostate exam. Get it done. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.